0: The U.S. Surgeon General has issued a new advisory on a growing youth mental health crisis.
1: Concerns
2: about COVID-19's
1: impact on mental health continue to grow.
2: So everyone is experiencing the collective trauma, if you like, that's happening to all of us.
1: It's been a tough couple of years. The phrase, it's okay to not be okay, had become a mantra. It came soon after the pandemic altered our lives, as there was no denying we were all in need of a guiding hand to get through some of the hardest
0: points in life. But when there isn't a hand for you to reach out to, is there something else that you can? Hello? Is anyone there? Is anyone
3: there? there? Hello? Hello, is anyone there?
1: Before we get into our show, I just want to give our listeners a quick heads up. With this episode, we're going to be hearing some lived experiences of depression, which some listeners might find triggering. Details of this experience may surface personal feelings. So, if you need to put a pause on the episode, by all means. But I also think there's a lot of value in sharing these stories too. All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Sean O'Ryan and I'm Jason Evans. And you're listening to Mobile Diaries, a new podcast brought to you by T-Mobile Stories. Life is full of beautiful moments, of course, but also some really difficult ones too. And last couple of years here on our planet Earth, they've not been so easy. The pandemic, disconnection, social upheaval and reckoning on top of all the other chaotic things going on in regular life, we can quickly feel buried under all the headlines.
0: We're all searching for ways to carry on and carry through. During the pandemic, Shauna, you and I had done some work around this. There was a study that showed that simply sending someone an affirmation via text was as meaningful as hearing that in person from someone or receiving a thank you note.
1: I remember when we started to work together and we were starting to report out these articles about mobile mindfulness, this phrase that you kind of coined when we started. I just remember that always being in the back of my head of like, wow, look what's happening here in this space about the mental health resources for those who no longer, due to the pandemic, could do let's say, in-person therapy. And it was all about these virtual options that I had never heard of, Jason. Texting, email therapy, virtual, you know, Zoom-type therapy options.
0: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to use some of these digital platforms that we may not even have known they existed before. But looking back at the last two years, I can say that there's a six-month period of time where I was actively engaging with an online sort of mindfulness meets wellness. And... I got a lot of really, really positive stuff out of it. Do you think, and if we sort of pull back from us for a minute, which I know is hard. How, why would you um, ever? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not happy about it either, Shauna. But I was wondering if you had any impressions about mental health in like the, the culture at large, you know, in the world. Yeah,
1: I, I think that, you know, this pandemic comes and I think there is this accelerated acceptance. You know, the phrase that we kept hearing on the news was, we're all in it together. And of course, that meant one very specific thing for the pandemic. But I think it had this reverberating meaning for our collective mental health. And I think there was this, this is okay, as we said, to not be okay and to seek out the help that you might need. And I think that's what we want to bring up here for Mental Health Awareness Month, and really for all months and years ahead, because our world is changing and folks are changing with it.
0: We carved out a little world for ourselves we coined as mobile mindfulness. Before the pandemic, we offered some evergreen ways to use your device to find inner peace, maybe downloading a meditation app. During the pandemic, as our mobile devices became more and more essential to every aspect of our lives, we enlisted expert advice on how to use them with more intentionality. And then we also took a look at what the future of mobile mental health might look like.
1: So the question now is, more than two years since the pandemic forced us to reconsider visiting the therapist couch, how are we adapting to acknowledge the demands on our mental health going forward? And honestly, there just isn't a
0: simple answer. Um, So to help us out.
3: I guess we're diving in. I'm being pushed in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We brought in Hesu Joe.
3: Ready to dive in, I guess.
0: From BetterHelp.
3: Thanks so much for joining us, Hesu. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really important and relevant topic. Top of mind, I think, for everybody. If it's not top of mind, it means it's buried somewhere, but it's it's definitely there. <laughs>
1: you know, I, For everyone listening, I'm sure they want to know right away, what is BetterHelp and what is your role in that?
3: Well, BetterHelp's an online therapy platform. And even when I say that, some people are like, so what does that mean? It's an app. It's a platform that you can access on a mobile device or even from your desktop computer. You just go to a website, betterhelp.com, and... You sign up, you answer some questions about yourself, and then our machine, as well as a bunch of humans hard at work, will match you with a therapist to hopefully help you meet goals that you might have, uncover things about yourself that you're hoping to learn. It's a way to find professional therapy that is convenient and discreet. I myself am a licensed therapist and I'm head of clinical operations at the company. Well, you sound like someone
1: who's at the center of the issue that we wanna talk about. So I'm so grateful for you being on the show. You know, when Jason and I wrote an article on the way T-Mobile was evolving to offer a plethora of digital mental health options to employees, the reasons were pretty clear to me in my research. I learned at the start of the pandemic a CDC poll survey reported that the rates of anxiety and depression were up 100% year over year from 2019. Then I soon found out that a federal emergency hotline received an increase in calls by 1000% and that was just the start of the pandemic. So it's pretty clear that those in distress were turning to their mobile devices in some way, even if it was just to pick up the phone and call this federal hotline. So I'm kind of curious what you're seeing lately at BetterHelp in terms of people accessing mental health services through their mobile technology. Still, well, oh, good question.
3: Lots of I'm, I'm processing all those stats too. It's it's not surprising, but it's still quite jarring, right? To to hear about us as a collective, us as humanity, having such a hard time adjusting to this inconceivable thing that's happened to us all. You know, all that stuff lines up with the experience that I've had witnessing what's been happening with our user base, with our therapist network, and even with our employees at the company. Sometime between like March and May 2020, we saw a huge increase in people seeking out these services for better help. I think I heard that we onboarded more users in that stretch of time than we had had in the previous several years that we had been around as a company period. We were, I don't know how to say it, like we're collecting the users that were already interested in online therapy, but now we were also seeing, now I meaning two years ago, we were seeing a huge increase in people that were resistant previously to doing anything like this online, let alone on their mobile phone, uh, I think largely because they didn't have any other options. So many therapists were ousted from their offices. They're no longer able to meet with their clients safely because, you know, social distancing, all that stuff. It doesn't make sense in a therapy office. And so many therapists, too, that were pretty anti-online therapy before all this, they were forced into this digital world. They had no choice. This is the way that you need to do it if you want to continue providing therapy. There's been surveys now done with therapists asking who of you are going to return to fully in-person work. And that number is pretty small. I think a lot of people have realized this is convenient for me as well. I get to spend more time with my family by working from home or working from wherever. These are all pieces I think people have benefited from with this shift.
0: Yeah, when we focus just on the aspect of digital therapy, and obviously that existed before the pandemic, How do you think the world's perception has changed of using these platforms throughout the last couple of years?
3: Before it was like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do that. And that comes with, because I have all these other options that feel superior. Of course, I feel like being in person with someone is going to be irreplaceable in many ways, which I still agree. Many of the aspects of being in person are irreplaceable. But now, you know, so many people's Lifestyles have been altered through the past couple of years. We've been forced to get used to, and I hate this phrase, I hear it all the time, the new normal, whatever that is. But now people have gotten used to the idea of using technology to assist in everyday life stuff instead of feeling like maybe this isn't the best option for me.
1: Of course, mental health challenges, they feel different to different people. One person's anxiety and depression is just not the same as another's. But there is value in hearing other people's stories, if only to feel a little bit less alone. So to share with us one example of a specific lived experience with mental health challenges, we reached out to Jill Better. Jill struggles with depression, but through her journey, she's learned ways to take care of herself. Let's begin with the moment she first noticed she didn't feel well.
2: One thing that I've been really kind of drilling his self-care for like folks who mind race or they can't calm their thoughts is either um like things like coloring because coloring is a great thing to focus and so i was just kind of coloring and then i was talking like okay this is what i'm doing so I remember just feeling like I wanted to cry a lot. We had a lot of change going on. My husband was having, I think his third back surgery that year. My son was transitioning from elementary school to middle school. It was a big change for him. And then we were going through the process of getting my grandchildren to moving with us um, and then on my my family's front my dad had started drinking again which was an issue um, so I had all this stuff like kind of piled on me at once and um, there's a road um, by my house it's a it's called Township line Road it's um, this road that goes down it's a little windy and there was this big tree down the road, and I drive by it and think, I just crash my car into the tree and everything would just be gone. I started thinking that, and I, I think I might act, it's starting to scare me. And I think once it started to scare me, like, okay, hey, it's time to really, really talk to
0: somebody. I was just wondering if this sounds familiar listening to Jill's experience.
3: I mean, I hate to say it, but it's not an uncommon story, right? Maybe some of the specifics and the combination of everything that's happened to her put together, maybe that is unique. But each of these components, like big shifts in family, medical care, you know, long-term aftercare for some kind of operation... She mentioned grandchildren moving in. There's probably a big story behind that. And um, also having someone, another kid adjusting to another school, like all these huge things just by itself is a significant issue that will bring someone to therapy. Putting all that stuff together, I feel overwhelmed. My heart is racing right now just listening to her story because... When I'm listening to someone kind of recount all the challenges that they're going through, I can't help but, you know, try to put myself in their shoes. And then I start freaking out. I start panicking because it's like, oh, God, if that were happening to me, what would I do? Because, you know, most of us will start going into problem solving mode. And there's just so much there. Um, All this to say, not uncommon right now, especially right now for people to have compounding issues.
1: Jill was at a hard point in her life and eventually realized that she needed to find help. But there's one thing I wanna focus on before we continue with her story. You know, she reminds us that people have different ways of coping with mental health challenges. For her, she practices things like art therapy, coloring, as well as deep breathing. Hesu, given where we're at, having just come through the eye of the needle COVID-wise, what are some of the new kinds of challenges you're seeing walk
3: through your virtual doors? I live in Silicon Valley a place where people are constantly on the move, entrepreneurs wanting to innovate, wanting to create or invent the next thing to change the world. You know, work, work is the focal point for so many people in this community. And now the conversation is, are we going back to the office? So there's a lot of anxiety around that because again, people are needing to readjust the lifestyle that they somehow finagled and got together to make it work. And now it's like, oh man, okay, now I gotta figure out the childcare thing again. Gotta figure out what to do with all these dogs I adopted during COVID. The long term effects of having had COVID or having been in close proximity with people that got ill from this or have died from this, that's not over, right? People are needing to process the loss that has happened. Um, People are still experiencing long haul symptoms um, and that's impacting their life, right? Um, I'm reading reports of people that continue even a year after they've been cured. They no longer test positive, but they're still having, you know, fogginess in their cognition, unable to concentrate and focus, occasionally just feeling under the weather and feeling sick. And then the anxiety around, am I ever going to be normal again? Am I ever going to have my health restored? So... Those are some, some big things, but of course, there's so many other things, right? People still navigating the challenges with unemployment, um, insecurities around food and housing. Even if we're coming out of the giant numbers of people that are dying from this virus, you know, the, the socioeconomic repercussions are huge. And that's going to impact communities by and large, I think, for many, many years to come. And in the mental health space, you know, there's a shortage of therapists everywhere. I don't think that that's a secret. Wherever you go, even at BetterHelp, we used to be able to match you in a couple of hours, but now it might take a little bit longer than that. And that's like a direct effect of what's happening now. The the increase in people's desire to talk to somebody is definitely there. But when you look at the providers who are just therapists, I mean, these therapists are just people is what I meant to say. People that are also navigating this huge change in our world People that are also needing to manage anxiety, depression, stress, family stuff, kids, house stuff, all that stuff. Um, And so even in the network of therapists, I think, I don't know, I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, often these days, I'm just feeling like, I guess we're going to do that all again tomorrow. I don't really feel like I've closed a bunch of loops and that everything's wrapped up. Just things are feeling inconclusive right now.
1: There's so much to digest in what we just talked about. So next, how do all of these changes not just affect the people using the service, but the ones sitting in the hot seat providing it?
0: And what role do our phones, those little pocket therapists we carry around with us, play in overall mental health?
1: Please leave your message after the tone. You're listening to Mobile Diaries, a podcast brought to you by T-Mobile Stories. We're exploring the fascinating stories of how mobile technology has shaped our lives, especially in the last two and a half years, and how we can learn to use our devices without them using us.
0: So follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows so that you can follow us on our Mobile Diary journey. You can also check out our website, mobilediariespodcast.com.
3: End of messages.
0: So
1: I'm just going to push us ahead here. As we come back, I want to revisit Jill's story a little. There came a point where Jill realized she needed help, we heard. And right from her home, thanks to a well-being resource at T-Mobile known as Live Magenta, which provides a number of services in a mental health space. Now, Live Magenta has evolved over time, like we've been discussing with BetterHelp, from in-person therapy options to apps, virtual therapy, even texting or email therapy programs like Talkspace. Take a listen.
2: I ended up getting to to a point where i was like i got to do something so i went to my doctor and she got me hooked up with actually the therapist that worked in her office but i found out the company worked with talkspace and i was like oh that's that's kind of interesting because i had gone to face to face therapy and she worked really, really long hours and she used to doze on me. So I kind of stopped going. So, Talk Space for me was very interesting because I'm like, you are able to interact with the therapist a little bit more. It seems like you're getting a bit more time because you can just blast everything out that you need to talk about. Back in December of last year, my father passed away and. I had some feelings <laughs> about my dad and I did not have a very close relationship. The last five years, I did not speak to him, did not have a good relationship. So when he passed away, I like I didn't feel what I felt grief should feel like. So I reached out to Talkspace again, and I actually find a therapist that actually specialized in grief counseling. I wanted somebody who could tell me, hey, the feelings or the unfeelings that I have right now, like, is that normal? Am I going to like three months down the road, like lose it? What's going to happen? You know. And she was able to like talk me through and let me know, hey, no, everybody grieves differently and it's not abnormal. You're fine. Nothing to worry about. And talking to her and kind of understanding that, okay, well, you know, you didn't you didn't speak to him. I didn't speak to him for five years. And during that time, I had already basically processed his death. <laughs> it's like a it's like a weight, you know, like a ha <laughs> like weight off your I could breathe, you know? just uh, I could give myself some grace.
1: We're here with Hesu Joe of BetterHelp hearing Jill's reaction here to learning about the virtual options for therapy. And that makes me really happy to see how mobile technology has allowed that. But, you know, there's also, like we've said, there's potential downsides, right, Jason?
0: Yeah, there's definitely, we have these codependent relationships with our phones now, right? And so on the one hand, we have this phone that now allows us to have virtual therapy in our pocket. But going back to maybe we overuse these devices sometimes. Hesu, I was just wondering if you have any thoughts of how our devices play into our overall mental health.
3: We are, as a collective, I think are not always so good at doing things in moderation, stuff that um, helps us feel better, or at least helps us numb the stuff that makes us feel bad, And I think we can all relate when you when you had a rough day and you just want to turn your mind off. What better way than to watch some dumb videos online and to scroll endlessly through people's feeds and get vicarious experience through people's amazing vacations and this like glorious house that I'll never be able to afford. It's much easier to use a device as an escape form because it's right there. It's so convenient. You just have to charge it every once in a while and you can taken away from your real life, which might be kind of hard right now. So overall, you know, I think lots of phone companies have now included like screen time reporting. You can see how long you've been actually looking at something. Some apps now have integrated timers because I'm sure they've heard from people like, you've made me addicted to your app and it's destroying my life. It's destroying my relationships. What are you going to do? because my alternative is to stop using your app. So of course the apps don't want that. So then they stick in timers like you can set yourself a timer for something that feels healthy for you. The fact that just that is there, I think it speaks to something.
1: You know, one topic that we're trying to untangle by having this podcast is the fact that we need our phones right now to live, especially during the pandemic. However, they could also be something that really use us if we're not mindful about the boundaries that perhaps we need. You don't want to be disconnected from your life by saying, well, I can get away from my everyday problems by just wasting three hours (laughs) looking at somebody else's, looking at this aspirational person. I have to say I'm curious, what about the ones giving it? You you talked about this. Therapists are going through this pandemic as well. They're going through all of these yeah. uh, challenges and fears. And what does it meant for for people like you who are looking to both give the best that they can to clients and to patients, but you know, also have to navigate new uh, platforms and new methods of giving therapy.
3: Yeah, it's it's a uh... You know, I have a. Little, ooh, I'm having a hard time even starting because it's such a big thing. You know, as a therapist, your clients come to you thinking, sometimes making really um, flattering assumptions that you know everything, that your life is very well put together, that you've got the whole self care routine down, that you have no issues, that you don't experience anxiety and stress. So a lot of clients come to the session thinking that, I think, or at least, you know, maybe partially believing that, well, you're the therapist, so you probably have great mental health. You probably are so strong in that way. You don't have any issues in your relationships, Um but that's like very far from the truth, right? Like uh, I even heard a joke that people become therapists because they're really just trying to figure out what's seriously wrong with themselves by analyzing a bunch of other people. Um, and I can't say that that's true for all people, but I can say for myself, this past couple of years has also been a mental struggle for me. You know, it's it's involved so much mental gymnastics of my own to be okay also. There's, there's a lot of issues in the mental health Field, right? That's, that's been the case for a very long time. Um, there's a lot of brokenness in our healthcare system overall. And, you know, I think if there's anything out there that makes it more accessible, more um, reachable for anybody to access this, whether you're a client or a provider, um, I can't see that as being a bad thing. I, I, Some therapists have really adopted this technology and really enjoy it for what it is. Others have recognized that this isn't for them, and they're eager to get back into their office and go back to in-person, and that just speaks to the diverse nature of people. Um, Not any one thing is going to work for any, all people, but it is an option. And I think it's good to have a lot of options in a world where sometimes you feel like you don't have any choices. That's so well put.
0: Yeah. In terms of going back to the device, we touched upon this a little bit. I was just wondering, this could either be in your personal life or, you know, something that you find that you are often giving advice on. Is there like one key top tip that you give people for using their device with mobile mindfulness in mind with that intentionality?
3: Well, I am a huge proponent of mindfulness in general, which is the idea of being attuned to your present moment being attentive to what's going on in your mood and in your body and just being aware having the self-awareness of so many moving pieces that are right in front of you that we often miss because we're dwelling in the past or we're panicking about the future in mindfulness you practice on a regular basis just paying attention to how you feel thinking about your thoughts the metacognition is part of this right and First, you gotta do that. You gotta get in the practice of paying attention to yourself because then then you can start noticing when something is of issue. Then you can start noticing that, oh, my feelings are different. I feel weird. Oh, my relationships are suffering in some way. I'm not able to perform at work very much. If you're not paying attention to yourself, you might not even notice that all these terrible things are happening to you. So first, you gotta really learn to pay attention, get in tune with who you are internally, and in that, then you can start seeing when usage of anything, including your mobile device, is becoming negative versus something that's positive. When something's impacting your ability to perform in so many big life arenas, such as relationships, job, school, um, that's when you know that it's probably a problem. You know, that's the thing in mental health is like, somebody can be doing something that their neighbor is unable to handle, but if, if it's not a problem to you, then it's not a problem. So phone usage, you can't say that three hours is excessive for someone when it might be just fine for another. So it's really about paying attention to what makes sense for you and what's getting in the way of you living your life.
1: You know, I have to say I'm so grateful to you for being here today to help us understand the mindfulness aspect of our mobile devices when it comes to our mental health, but also showing us a, a lot of benefits. We really we're so grateful. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for having these conversations today. Our guest was Hesu Joe, the clinical lead for BetterHelp. Also, of course, a special thanks to Jill Benner for sharing her story with us. I'm Sean Ryan,
0: and I'm Jason Adams. You've been listening to Mobile Diaries, a show brought to you by T-Mobile Stories with production support from JAR Audio.
1: So in this episode, we talked about what's sitting in our minds. Next, we'll be discussing what's going through our hearts. It's the strange and evolving world of online dating. We hope you'll swipe right. There was actually a trend we started seeing
3: more at the beginning of the pandemic that we coined apocalypsing, which was
0: basically that everybody was kind of treating their relationship like it was their last So we saw relationships (laughs) speeding up. And what
1: ended up happening was we saw a lot of engagements happening. It's cringeworthy. I know. (laughs) Join us next time. And don't forget to hit follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And if you like today's episode, leave us a review. We would love to know what you think. Until then, thanks so much for listening.